Manor. Hello, welcome to Tip Manor Podcast. It is the final pod of the 21-22 season. It is once again a triple J attack. We've got me, James. We've got John. Hi, John. Hey. Got Jack. Hi, Jack. Hey, James. Hey. No, I've got nothing. I've got nothing in terms of fun intros today. That, that, but what we was no sigh, like we've all got a drink. Like we're gonna have a <laughs> oh, bit yeah, of yeah, a, to be fair. Gonna have a bit of a party, pipe party pod. I've got an amaretto and coke. And it's Disarano, which I think is the proper one, not like the fake fake one. What have you guys got? John? Gone for the red wine Sunday evening. Hit okay. the heavy stuff. Malbec or what we're we talking, Shiraz. It's an Italian jobby. Of course it is. You do love your Italian things. Footballers. Stuff. Pizza. Pizza. <laughs> pasta. Pretty unique like that. Baggio. Jack, what, what are you doing? What are you drinking? Uh, I've got a gin. gin. Gin? You've even got a posh glass. Everyone well, knows what... The, a gin glass. Very wide. It, it is posh, but it was lifted from a gin festival. Before anyone thinks we're too sort of... Uber, uber, uber classy <laughs> yeah. or posh. We're just so professional that we're not having beer so that we don't have to take bathroom breaks. That's exactly, the, exactly that. That's it. Yeah. Maybe I should get, grab a Stella and put a vest on. Anyway. I think what we should do is kick things off by refer- referencing at the end at the end of the last pod. Well, actually during the last pod, we were saying, John, I really liked it when I thought back to it and you were saying, Oh, what's this badge? You know, when you're kind of walking around a random place and you've got your Oxford kit on and we were saying, referencing being on the beach and, you know, hoping that someone notices it and then you have a chat. What's this badge? What's it doing in that exotic place, et cetera, et cetera. It's like they're as interested in, they should be as interested in it as you are. And it's that's yeah. just not a thing because they're a random person. Is it Exactly. But we had some good responses on Twitter. Did, were there any, did anyone have any particular favourites they'd want to call out? I particularly liked... So and just to get us the ball rolling because there are some excellent ones in here. I liked the sort of former players like met Gary Briggs in a pub in Blackpool. Tried to talk to him about Oxford, but he was just a bit awkward and didn't really want to chat to us. And that sort of like <laughs> nothing like a sort of hero worship. And they're like, yeah, I wasn't really that into my time at Oxford, really. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm that's... sure Gary Briggs was, but you know what I mean. I liked um, Matt in Tasmania, Taz Tazzy Yellow, where he said he was in his local bottle shop in Tasmania and someone just walked in out of the blue and just said, I'm glad Wilder's left the club. And he was just like, what? <laughs> and just drop that in out of nowhere. No pre-chat. Just going to walk into your shop and start having that chat. Jack, anyone stand out for you? Um, it's not as exotic as being abroad, but I did like um, Coops who uh, followed Matty Taylor and Simon Eastwood around Pepper oh, yeah. Pig World. <laughs> but, um, no, no, he- but bottled out of talking to them. He initially wrote it as went with Matt yeah, Taylor yeah. and Simon Eastwood. And then was like, <laughs> what I mean is I followed them around. Um, but I mean, the the number one for me has got to be the Matt Cinnamon. Said he was backpacking around Southeast Asia and in some town in Vietnam. He found a bar with an Oxford shirt framed on the wall. No other Oxford, sorry, no other football shirts to be seen. That is random, weird and amazing. So, I like it. It's not as random, you know. They'd taken the scarf down from the fly pub in Rotherham. It was quite sad, wasn't it? So Oxford memorabilia on pub walls is, you know, not to be sniffed at, especially in Vietnam. And then uh, Lucy said that she was helping her friend swipe on her dating app. Um, 
and then Christian Ribeiro appeared. He, he strikes me as someone that shouldn't need to go on a dating app. He's got long, flowing, you know, doesn't like he, Doesn't lion he play hair. the guitar? Didn't he do something with a guitar and sing to someone? Or am I just making that up? Probably. But sort anyway. Of Jack, yeah. Sort of thing Jack would have gone, yeah, yeah, it was for this and this. And now I just think I'm making that up. <laughs> it might be a dream, John. Probably, yeah. I might create a profile just to try and find Ribeiro so I can chat to him about how things are going. Maybe I won't get a match. Anyway, uh, we haven't made the playoffs. It's a bit shit. It's a bit annoying. I think what I what was I posting earlier is it sounded really miserable. It was kind of like after we've got eight points in the last eight games ultimately, and that's not the way to finish the season when your rivals are so close. But you know we'll get on to things. Uh, agenda for today. Uh, news there's definitely some news we can go through we've had the the kind of end of season awards we can chat about um obviously talk about reflect on the rotherham game don't really need to talk too much about what happened in the kind of weird kind of end of season game v doncaster but there was a few young faces into the team which we can definitely mention um look at what's going on across league one and talk probably a bit about the playoff picture and how we see that panning out and uh yeah reflection on the season and talking about squad chat i think squad chat's going to be an interesting one um there's going to be a big turnaround so lots of stuff to go through guys i think you know maybe we'll have to pause and get more drinks but we'll see see how we get on um news section speculative spec i can't say specular speculative i always want to say speculative speculative bollock section Nigel Pearson, uh, the Bristol City manager, attended the MK game at home to watch three players. More Seddon. Seddon was the one that stood out to me when I saw this. And who do you think the third one was? I think it had sort of eked out that it was probably Sykes. Sykes, yeah. I think was the thing from that. Um, Moore was a little bit surprising, but I think he subsequently said... I don't. I'm not going to tell you who I was there to see. Obviously, I don't need to see Elliot Moore because I've he's played under me before at some club in Belgium and possibly somewhere else before that. But yeah, Seddon, that's that is really interesting. I I can't quite work that out. Not because I'm. I think we'll get on to Seddon at length. Uh, I think he's got plenty to offer, but that's a that's a weird one from a Championship club. Yeah, Jack, what are your thoughts on that? Nigel Pearson's quite a stern character, isn't he? I wouldn't want to piss him off. Well, he um, he latterly responded, didn't he, to some questioning from the Bristol paper. And like John said, he said about more. And he basically said, look, I was watching two teams going for the playoffs. Of course, there was going to be players I was watching. Um, I think Sykes, you know, not surprising with him being out of contract. He got in the island set up. His stats probably look quite good when, when all these bigger teams use an- analytics software. Um Equally for Seddon, but I'll come back about stats about Seddon later on. But um, yeah, I mean, I think if you're a Bristol City, you've got to be looking at signing players who stood out for a little bit in in the league below because they're not going to have big books to spend at all. I was kind of wondering whether Rob Atkinson would be like, oh, Gaffer, Elliot's pretty good. You know what I mean? You should get him. Because that would be a good partnership that could be rekindled if, if that did happen, but... I do miss Rob Atkinson's very deep tones and his French upbringing. But there you go. 
Um, Norwood was uh, discussed a little bit, so he played and he actually scored, didn't he, in his final game for Ipswich right at the end of the game. Um, yes, or whenever it was yesterday. Um, was there some link about him and us? Was it a forum thing or was it more than that? There was a kind of paper link in January, but um, an Ipswich fan I know quite well is adamant that we will offer him a contract. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about that. If we re-sign Bulldog, he's probably got quite an ageing front line now with Taylor Norwood Bulldog. I'd probably prefer someone a little a little younger. But if KR's talking about four strikers, which he seemed to after yesterday's game, then it, it, it could be an option on a free. Yeah, I don't think that's bad, so long as the fourth is a different style, pacey, young type player. Yeah, I mean, I mean Norwood's he's the physical one out of... Mm out of the four, let's say, and then like you say, you need someone who's just gonna be pure, pure, pure pace. Probably doesn't quite know where the goal is, but is just rapid and scares teams. What did one of you put something in about Brannigan's comments in relation to what? I mean he's he's just come out at the end of it, I think talking to Radio Oxford and basically said, you know, he, he wants to rebuild, go again for promotion. He he likes being at the club. And he said he talked about the balance on the pitch versus off the pitch. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know, I, I think the chances of him staying are pretty slim. But you know, I, I do think sometimes there's a bit of a deal between players and clubs to sort of make sure they get this sort of stuff out there. I mean, he's not going to say he wants to leave and he's desperate to go, obviously. But I think there's a bit of a deal that he makes it pretty clear that it's not a done thing. He's out the door, and then it's part of the game and the dance. Um, not, that I think he's being. You know, I don't. I think he's being fairly true to to what he says, but it just brings this whole merry-go-round of slight possibility he might stay, and I think that just mucks us up if he does kind of stay. I'm not willing him out the door. I'd love him to stay, but we can't do sort of three or four months of Willie won't he? Which I don't think will happen. But... Yeah, yeah. I know. I know what you mean. Um, what great segue into the next section. We've, we're going to be talking about this, how the squad's shaping up. Anyway, and we'll come on to Brannigan when we get into that. But yeah, Brannigan obviously cleaned up at the um, end of season's awards. So he won uh, Players Player of the Year awards and Fans Player of the Year awards. Um, Jack Rich, you know, no brainer. Anyone else that was kind of on on the edge challenging him? I don't. I don't think anyone's been consistent as consistent as he has been this season. I think. You've got to give McNally a shout out for playing thirty odd games in his first proper season yeah. and doing very well, especially once we lost Thornley. Um, I think everyone else. I mean, Taylor got twenty two goals, so you, you know that he, he's done his job, really. I think other players, you know, Sykes had a good few months. Bowden's had, whilst he's been fully fit, has had a good few months. But I think Brannigan's been the consistent player for what forty odd games. So yeah, the right yeah. winner for me. What about goal of the... So he also won goal of the season for his goal was the equaliser at home to Pompey. And then I thought Brannigan made a good point referencing the... Was it the the goal away at Wigan? And obviously we were there, weren't we? Um, I think he's probably about right with that. I also thought Brannigan's goal away at Charlton was better than the one at home to Pompey. John, what do you reckon? What's your hard take? Hard take. <laughs> um... 
I yeah, when he when I read that comment, I was like, oh yeah, that was a pretty ridiculous goal, and we sort of watched it kind of happen and get further and further away from us from the Wigan. I could I, my eyesight's so shit, I didn't even see it go in. I just heard you make noise, and then we had a hug. Yeah. It was lovely. I mean, like that—that's team goal of the season for sure. Mm. Um, I mean, like I'm—I want to put Henry's at Wednesday away in there for sure for me. Oh but it's, man, that was but, a moment. That was up there. We're going to get onto moments of the season. Yeah, I mean that—that that, oh, you can argue. I mean, it was a clever finish. It probably wasn't pile driving to the top corner, but um, I guess for the moment of when Brannigan equalised given we would have been a bit lacklustre in that game, maybe. But there's been a fair few this this season, and probably a few that we've actually forgotten about that were actually better yeah. than we, we remember. I I really like Bodin's free kick at home to Bolton, was it? And put it in the posted stamp top corner. I think the cross shot. A, the brilliantly curled free kick. Yeah, that one. Um, I think <laughs> he scored two that day. He's, to be fair, most of his goals have been well-finished. Um but no, there's been some there's been some really good goals. There's Taylor's volley against someone oh, yeah. where it came quite Cambridge. a long way. Yeah. And he hit it first time. There's been been some good goals. There was um there was a couple of I mean I, I do love a James Henry twenty yarder, but they were a couple of really nice James Henry ones against Lincoln at home when he scored the hat trick. Um completely I, forgot about that game. That I, that I particularly yeah. liked. Um I think Holland, to be fair, <laughs> scored a couple. Um Give him some credit, but anyway, yeah, that's um, spoil. I think actually, yeah, My, I think um, I'd refer to James Henry's goal away at Wednesday as the biggest shin breaker of the season. I think there should be a category for that, shouldn't there? Most likely to cause damage, and obviously there was that nice picture of the guy sinking into the depths of Hillsborough. Yeah, that was amazing. Um, that was a great photo. Um, I actually met I met a guy I forget his name was called Zach I think um, on the uh, like a Doncaster train station had waiting to go through to Rotherham and he was saying that was his his mate the, the chap that was disappearing um, so I had a bit of a laugh about that um, there was some news that came out about the EFL getting some new sponsorship so um, the British Red Cross will be the official charity partner. Um, and wasn't wasn't the other one mined as well? So two new charities that we should expect to see on the back of the shirts next year's, but bringing a lot of attention to some um, really good causes. So that looks really good. Um, yeah, talk about football a bit. Rotherham is quite a sad. Feels it feels sad, but it started really well, didn't it? And obviously, first ten minutes, that own goal goes in and we're really believe there's some great um scenes in the away end you know and again another video from the home stand looking into the away end but it catches the moment perfectly it's ultimate scenes limbs everywhere um we're really excited john i thought we controlled the game the first half and we were it was really frustrating that wasn't it that moment when herbie kane did what he kind of did away at morecambe where he just hung onto the ball a bit too long and it was in the forty, you know, forty seventh minute, two minutes added on, or whatever, and then you could just see it. Yeah, kind of. it wasn't the first time he'd done it in the game as well. Uh, it might have even been the third time he tried it. And uh, yeah, I was really pleased with how we played in the first half. We we took it to them, and they were a 
big, powerful team who clearly wanted to get into their rhythms and start loading the ball in certain areas of the pitch and the like. And you could tell they didn't like it because at times it's descended into a form of head tennis almost. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a great game through any moments really. But you could tell we were getting into them and rattling them and having our moments. And then it was just about building confidence and hoping to turn the crowd, which obviously, and then we scored. Sorry, before that we scored and we kept it on for the rest of the half. Um, but that moment was the epitome of how Rotherham scorers by getting series of corners, series of set pieces, and we were starting to give more and more of them away. And then that was a clear sort of, just don't do that 47 minutes on the clock. You don't, there was no out ball. Yeah. It would have been, if he turned away and done something brilliantly, there would have been no out ball. So just don't bother at that, that point. I think that's what KR did say the same thing, but he's, I think he said, Jack, I don't know if you heard it in the post-match, KR said that Kane said his thigh went or something. And that was the reason I was quite happy that Carl referenced Kane not clearing it because it was like two minutes before the ball actually went in, but it felt like it was that important that he just got, got rid well, I think the thing is, it doesn't matter who you're playing. If you're one nil up going into stoppage time, just get the ball up the other end. Like we don't, we don't have to pass the ball a hundred times to cross the halfway line. You can just get rid of it. And I think yeah. we've been guilty of that. And that if you had to talk about flaws in our game, it is sometimes that we don't just get rid of the ball. Their um, belief seemed to grow as well as that attack continued to gain momentum, and they were obviously just throwing everything at it, knowing that we weren't going to push anyone forward. Um, yeah, God. So, and also, if we go in, it's obvious to say, isn't it? But go in at one one nil up. Let's say we still hold on into like sixty fifth, seventy minutes. Then you bringing Gavin White on, maybe Holland or something. You'll get. You're asking the whole game's opened up into such a completely different. Um, and, and their crowd was flat, and they as a team didn't look anything special. You could tell it was sort of powerful fullbacks get it to the wing backs and sort of play through that. And they yeah. had a couple of nice tidy midfielders. But beyond that, there wasn't any sort of, this is the team that's in second place. You could tell they were a bit sort of, just didn't have the urgency. Uh, like you're saying, the crowd could have gone quite nasty if it got to 60, 70 minutes. So yeah, yeah it's it was massive a moment. We'll get to it, but the the thing that's making me feel better is that eighty one points wouldn't have been enough based on how <laughs> the league ended up. So mm. I don't really care as much anymore, but because that, that would have been mega painful. Um, anyway, they so that went in a one all. McNally, you know, definite penalty. He kind of fouled him and then fouled him again and made, gave the ref kind of no options. So that was it, and then we just kind of. Start. I think the only other moment. John, if I remember right, Williams had a chance at one all, didn't he? To yeah, I haven't really seen it back um, since the game. It wasn't a. It was a pretty good chance to. It looked like he was slightly losing, starting to lose his balance, or to get the emphasis behind it. And then Marcus Brown had one chance when Brannigan slipped him in, but it was quite oh, late. Yeah. Late yeah. on it, I think we were two 0 down. Yeah, we were two 0 down 2-1, when, the, yeah. when the Brown. Sorry, two one when the Brown one came, but we didn't really have. Whilst we held our own against Rotherham, and I think for teams like Rotherham, Wigan, Wickham, I do look to that as our sort of starting point. We weren't really starting to kind of go, right, we're going to play football and get down the sides of you and all that sort of jazz. It, we weren't making it happen in the second half. So we got what we deserved. Yeah. Jack, how did you feel after that game concluded? Um, I think it just summed up 
well, as I just said, we got eight points from our final eight games. Like we, we just rather brought our normal beginning of season form into the final section. If you do that, you're not going to make, you're not going to get anywhere near it. And as it was, we finished what seven points off the playoffs with a worse goal difference by one than Wickham. So even if we'd have beaten Rotherham, uh, beaten Morecambe, we'd have still been two or three points short. So, you know, the, it was it was the run of eight games rather than the final three or four games that killed it for us. Yeah, and there's some interesting stats and things thrown around, wasn't there? Like Oxford took the lead in 10 league games this season that they went on to either lose or draw. Um, that's quite a big big thing, isn't it, John? I think if you're, if you're keeping clean sheets, that's that, you know, you're turning a lot of those into victories, obviously, aren't you? So, well, all of them. Yeah, I mean, we've we probably talked about it at length, the defensive side of things, and there's still to a degree of, there's a lot of game management challenges as well. Um, I think one of the ones that sticks with me was quite early on in the season was against Wimbledon away. We went 1-0 up, and it looked like we'd sort of, looking like a mature team, when we'd actually, we'd tamed that environment. We actually capitulated and lost 3-1, if memory serves. And it, yeah. um, Lincoln away is not the same example because we didn't concede first, but it was another example where I remember thinking, we're not looking at what's in front of us and reacting to a team that's built momentum and just better than us at the moment. So I think the defensive side of things we get into when we get to squad chat and stuff is, it sounds yeah. really obvious, but it's it's too many times when we've conceded too many simple goals and that's meant that we can't hold them to these leads. And I think um, where we are. KR referenced Gillingham at home as well. We went 1-0 up inside five, six minutes and drew the game 1-1. Bolton away, obviously we went 1-0 up and lost 2-1 and White missed a sitter yeah. and a half in the final stages. You know, that I, I know every season you can look back and say, oh, there was that game and this game and that game. But this year it does feel like there's five, six, seven really even more than usual key moments that we didn't get three points out of the game when we yeah. should. It was kind of... If you, jump, if you jump ahead a bit to like where Bolton have ended up, Bolton were nowhere for most of the season yet, and they've conceded roughly the same amount of goals we have, and so it just kind of. But yet we were in totally different positions for most of it. And I think it just shows how many times we won three two or kind of did score a lot of goals. There were just too many that killed it or made it too hard for us for hard for ourselves. What do you mean by Bol- Bolton? So, do you mean because they finished three points behind us or something? Or yeah, but they've they've just conceded nearly as many goals yeah. as us, and and that's that is the thing that makes the difference in where you end up ultimately. Yeah. Um, what was the other thing, Jack? We were mentioning just pre-pod that if games only lasted thirty minutes, we'd be <laughs> champions. Do you reckon we could talk to the EFL? It could be like a points per game type moment where we just change the structure of football I think we'd have a good case we could say that Oxford University have done a big study in it and actually playing 90 minutes is overrated yeah 30 minute games and promote Oxford to the championship and then go back to what it was before if you think about all these clubs that are paying more wages than they're making bringing revenue in could slash their wage bills by a third they have to play their players by 30 minutes so it would solve the financial crisis in the leagues as well. Okay. Right, we'll start putting that pack together post-pod. 
Um, before we get on to wrapping up the league and talking about the squad and stuff, let's reference the the Doncaster game. So, because the, there was a few interesting comments before, wasn't there? So, KR was talking a lot about the shape. Um, so we started with three at the back. Seddon, who we're obviously going to talk a bit about in a bit, um, came back into that kind of left wing wing back type role with Williams on the other side. What was, was anyone? particularly remember KR's comments he did, did talk about the shape but it felt pretty significant a lot of people were talking about it afterwards so he, he talked about how this sort of shifted he basically Im- implied that this is a formation we're going to look to move to as much more than just an option potentially in games and play it more regularly he talks about we're going to be aggressive in this window that was it to make this formation work and that's the four strikers point wanting a left-sided centre-back and a front four that's that's pretty aggressive and I think it's fascinating because KR's never we've had a debate about this a few times on WhatsApp haven't we that he's never even particularly I'm, I'm aware looked to sort of three at the back and and I think in to a degree it's it's seeing that it worked when we had Baldock and sometimes with, without him and I, I wonder as well, he's looking across to the other teams in the league because actually when I think back to it, a lot of times we've played teams in this league, they are actually playing three at the back, whether it's a 3-4 or a 3-5, you can quibble with. But actually, it seems to be the in-vogue formation. And I wonder whether there's a bit of looking at that and going, that's what we need to be moving towards or at least be able to play and have the players to play it for a whole season. Because yeah. as I've always understood it, that formation, you need your wing backs. They so much goes through them, be it attacking, defensive, and you need certain types of midfielders to make it work. So I think it's a it's a kind of a signal that that's what we're after, really. I think um, I honestly think signing Kieran Brown will be absolutely massive for that, and retaining Elliot Moore and McNally altogether. If you, if you've got three of them and you've got Long, who can drop into that position as well within that three and I actually think Sam Long is better in and probably I'd rather see him build his career from now on as a as a centre-back within a three yeah well, well I think the thing if we went to a three four one two or a three five two it raises question marks about Sam Long as that wing back he, you, can't, you, he can't be that wing back yeah like, exactly yeah exactly um and then do we have that left wing back in the in the building possibly we said and we don't know but yeah. you need you need a midfielder who is absolutely confident in effectively dropping in to be another mid- defender and you, the thing about brown mcnally and um more is in theory one of the center backs needs to be essentially as good as a midfielder passing the ball and i don't know if they either any of those three are that Good yeah, mo- to do more that. more definitely is recognised, isn't he, Jack? You're not you're not sure. I swear, people talk a lot about and Kr referenced his distribution when he's not there. Teams, uh, he said something like attacking players are uh, always on McNally all the time because when Moore's playing, they close him down quicker because they know his distribution's that much better, or something like that. I forget how he worded it. I think it's interesting because. McNally is the most modern style centre-back of 
Brown, Long, Moore, McNally. I think Moore. I think Moore has improved massively from when he first came in. His distribution, especially, mm-hmm. but he is the one that probably unfairly I always feel a little bit nervous about when he's got the ball at feet. Um, personally, I think Sam Long is not a starter in the. And, this goes back to last season as well. I don't think he's a starter in a team that's got serious ambitions to get promoted or be in the top six. I think I wouldn't be surprised to see a first choice right back slash right wing back come in and take his spot for next year, which is yeah. probably quite harsh. But I, I I think you're right. I think his better role is as a centre back, yeah. but probably not ahead of McNally and Moore. Yeah. Squad, he's a great player to have as a squad player that can play he's versatile he's kind of like a bit like Anthony Ford but probably deserves a bit more credit um it's interesting though because the season obviously the season before this one he long did stand out and there were some incredible moments that he brought us um from that right side so it is is still an interesting topic and I'm sure it, it would kind of divide a lot of our fan base as well um yeah I'm sure we'll get onto this more anyway. What what did you guys think about um so gold we didn't reference golding earlier, sorry. It's bad. So um James Golding won um young player of the year, didn't he? Um which is voted for by the coaching staff. And um then he came obviously came into the team for Doncaster at home. And it was did you I don't know if you guys heard his interview, but he spoke pretty well after the game to Nathan on the pitch. Um it's only 17, right? And but I right. thought he was saying how he arrived at the stadium and usually you'll see he he would look was looking for his name on like the sub store or something like that and it wasn't there. So he was like, Oh, there's been a mistake, is in I need to I need to I'll have to go and ask what's going on. And then he realized he was actually in the starting eleven. So he didn't have a clue until he arrived at the stadium and saw his name on the kind of team sheet type thing. But he was saying it was good because if he knew that this was coming, he'd have been absolutely yeah, crap, crapping himself. <laughs> you often hear managers talk about this. I mean, Elliot Moore's wife went into, or partner, whatever, went into labour as well. So I don't know whether he would have started, but there was probably a gap in time where KR would have known that Moore yeah. wasn't going to play and he thought this is the best way to handle it. And um, yeah, it sounds like he was um, got rave reviews uh Admittedly, in the game with not much on it, but still, you, you know, does, you're still going to be as nervous as as if it was a, a different sort of yeah. match. Right? He he nearly put the ball on, in his own net. Stevens came up with a pretty good save, and then, um, but he nearly scored as well. So, quite a, a good debut for him. But he was getting rave reviews. Yeah, he was. There was lots of people with loads of really positive comments. Um, so hopefully, he's one that sticks around. Sticks around the first team. Um, and then who was it? Odonka came on, I think, later on in the game as well. So it was nice to see a couple of players from the, the academy both making it onto the pitch. And it'll be interesting to see who's in the squad, I think. Um, who else were we kind of tipping from the academy to be involved? All young players coming through. Is it Smith? Um, Oisin Smith, that we've kind of signed another one from Ireland that we're expecting to be. Jack, do you reckon he'll be in the team or do you reckon he'll be out on loan next season? Well, I mean, in the squad, not the team. Yeah, I think he'll be around the squad at least for pre-season. And then it it probably depends how long he takes to adapt. If it takes him a little while to adapt, we might try and get him alone for six months to get some 
kind of proper exposure to English football. But if he hits the ground running in pre-season, I don't think there's any reason why he can't claim a shirt, especially as, I mean, it sounds like we're offering Goran a new deal, but there could be the option in that role in front of the back five, four, three, whatever it will be. Um, I think that's the kind of role he he does play. And I think in the is it Northern Irish under-21s, he's well thought of as a kind of up-and-coming player. So I think he will get game time for us next season, whether it's in the first half of the season, I'm not so sure. Yeah. And then um, Tyler Goodrum had a good spell. He was out on loan, wasn't he? A um, couple of times, yeah. But it sounded like he's getting good reviews wherever he's been as well. So you imagine he'll, similar to Smith, be around for pre-season. Then we'll see see where we're at with him. But he seemed like a good lad in his interviews as well. So one to watch out for. So on to League One then. Looking at where the table kind of finished up. Let's just have a quick, um, interesting to see Plymouth um, completely kind of implode, get a player sent off. Twy, did you have you seen Twine's goals? Yeah, I, w- I was in a pub with a Rotherham and MK fan. So, um, <laughs> Twine is just it, he's, he's so good. Do you not think it's? I w- I always wonder if we were in for him at any level, but he's from Swindon as well as being playing for Swindon. Well, he's another one that. Um, went through Southampton's original setup and then joined Swindon's setup. Um, but he's had, like his career is weird because Swindon binned him out on loan to Chippenham and then Waterford in Ireland. And then he had a good start. They put him out on loan to Newport. He played really well. They got him back. And then obviously they made money on him in the summer. I think it was about 300,000 through Tribunal. But I mean, MK are going to make what, four million probably plus clauses, you'd he, say? Because he, he he's, what, 20, 22? It's like Swindon are a bunch of, uh, you know, <laughs> ill-informed, ill-educated. <laughs> like, and made, you know, those sort of mistakes. He does, honestly, first goal, free kick, perfect. Second goal, drives into the box, cuts in, bang, like great finish inside the post. Um, third goal great first time finish fourth goal absolutely smashes it from outside the box again in off the post I was just like it's called four in a game um, and he said do you know what so I don't know why I'm spending so much time talking about Twine <laughs> but he got um, oh, I swear I put the, it was more his contributions he scored 20 league goals but also got um, like 13 assists or something like that I can't find it but I was just, I was just mega, mega impressed. I think it was for twenty league goals and thirteen assists. But yeah, I'm just sad that we didn't sign him. Really, that would have been. He is just an unreal player. So they've, so MK have got um, Wickham, haven't they? In the playoffs, how do you, how do we think that's going to go? Well, having watched the MK demolish Plymouth with ease, I would love for them to do that again against Wickham. But then. You've just got the Wickham factor, and you know purely that their ninety minutes on Friday, uh, on yeah Friday is it the first game will be kick Scott Twine, load the ball into Sam Vokes, compete for the second ball. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't like to judge either of them because then the other leg you've got Wednesday versus Sunderland, which is just a mental game. Just That's crazy. Isn't anyway, it? I don't I- want I don't want Wickham to be successful, but part of me thinks. It would be better to not have them in this league because we we can't really play against them. Yeah, we just get so, so wound up by them. So my logic is we're gonna rotherham 
two big physical power teams. They are obviously up. Wickham, same thing. Let's get rid of them. And then if we can keep Milton Keynes, Dons, who we can obviously play against, and the rest of them, they're teams that we might stand a better chance against on pure football. I'm not style. having it. I'm not. I don't want them getting promoted. I hate being in the league. No, I, d- I don't think I could really stomach it, but that's my sort of alternative logic. I don't think I don't think it will happen. I think no. it's just whether or not the the total football works. I wonder what their games were this season. Um, I'd be curious how they got on. Um, Sheffield Wednesday, Sunderland, as you say, my God, I kind of that was kind of set up to be, you know, a final type thing. If we got. If we'd have got to the playoffs, I wanted one of them in the final, and I'd rather have had like Wickham in the semi. I don't know. It feels like Wednesday team. are karma. I don't know what I'm basing that on. It feels like they're in a, the best place of all of them because I think Sunderland sort of grubbed a bit over the line. Well, we know they scored they're like, late. Yeah, just yeah, late how, Didn't one of you post a stat of like how many points? I think Jack maybe how many point the points? Yeah, I think after the- after that goal. The late own goal from Rotherham, which gave them a point, they somehow added ten extra points in the ten games running into the last day of the season from yeah. the eighty sixth minute and later. That's the point from the eighty sixth minute, winning ten extra points. That's and also some of that is just has to be like yes, there's good determination and attitude and character, but also. You know that doesn't that won't happen again. You know that stuff doesn't just happen. Well, and one of them was the Rotherham centre back putting a yeah, bullet head up at his own keeper. The Van Persie esque. Like, <laughs> yeah. What on earth is he bloody doing? They are the best. It's like have you just forgotten which goal you're in? Type and Jubilee. <laughs> like, yeah. Fuck's sake. Um, Jack, did you manage to see what the MK Wickham games were? I thought you. Were yeah. Right. So MK won both games one nil this season. Oh, good. Excellent. Okay. I I hope that that happens and then MK get... Um, I think MK will do it. And I think they deserve to do it as well. Um, <sighs> God. Plymouth, you, you've got a feel for Plymouth, don't you? They're, they'll have similar feelings to us. It's just theirs, their um, depression was delayed a little bit more than ours. Um, I mean, they... Was it a half time yesterday? It's three nil down and a man short. Like they, exactly, yeah. they'd fully imploded in forty five minutes. But look, their form as well. Not one in the last five finishing up the season. You know, there's, there's, te- and they at one point they were smashing it, weren't they? So they, they, they were smashing it, then imploded, then went on a major run again, and then imploded at the end of the season. So they, their fans must be, you know, they're up and down. But it's a shame for them. I think they. Tore us apart, didn't they, at, at the Kassam earlier in the season? I thought they were a really good outfit, but and their fan, their fans are excellent. I can't imagine all their trips that they're doing, the amount of mileage they're getting. But there you go. Um, any other comments on the kind of final league standings? It was quite interesting with um, Gillingham and Rotherham, wasn't it, going into the final day? I guess Jack, you'd have been watching that in the pub. Yeah, and there was an unusually large amount of Gillingham fans in a sports bar in Derby, and I couldn't quite work out why, but <laughs> they were getting very excited every time Bolton scored against Fleetwood because they needed Fleetwood not to win. Well, they needed to better Fleetwood's result, basically. But um, Oh, yeah. And they, Fleetwood, it, Fleetwood lost uh, away to Bolton, but it was just 
Yeah, they had to at least get a point on the board, didn't they, Gillingham? Yeah, exactly. And they they weren't they were all, it was a as John said, Rotherham playing a particular way that we can't deal with. Gillingham almost outdid them in the same style. It wasn't a very pleasant game to watch. Um but there is an amazing photo from the Gillingham end just after Rotherham scored their second goal of the full yeah. temporary scaffold stand with loads of smoke bombs going off and people on the pitch, quite European flavour about it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think we'll miss, apart from the fact that Doncaster and crew are fairly close for both of us based on where we're all based, I don't think we'll really miss any of those teams that have gone down. Yeah, I'm say I still haven't gone to crew though. Like you've gone to crew now and now I might, <laughs> I'm so annoyed I didn't get to go. I mean, I don't know. People might be like, don't worry, it's not that great. But it's still one of those grounds I've always wanted to go to. Um, yeah, Gillian. Oh, that, so just on that, the annoying thing is Wimbledon won six games all season and one of them was against us. Yeah, that 3-1 John mentioned earlier. I, I often think back to that game because it, it feels like a, a different season is how it feels to me. I cannot believe... We, we'll get, you know, we're going to get on to some of those... I guess we should categorise some of those games and just depress everyone, but then try and lift people up afterwards. Um, AFC Wimbledon, obviously down. Um, I'm kind of sad to see that. Doncaster's just annoying because it's the quickest game from York to get to, but otherwise, you know, I'm not overly bothered. You could see that coming after we played them at their place, right? They were really not good. Um, Yeah. It's going to be interesting next season, though, with the state of this league. It's not going to get any easier. Um, if you had to put predictions on who's going to get promoted then playoffs, I'm going MK, Jack. Sheffield Wednesday. Wednesday, John. Sheffield Wednesday. Okay. There we go. Um, right. Reflection on the season time. And we thought it'd be funny to just look back at our um, pre-season predictions as well. So I had Fornally. Um, which actually looked all right, and until he obviously just disappeared out of nowhere, which was a shame. Bit of spice with Blackpool, um, but I think Kr did reference that he formerly was his player of the season before he <laughs> departed. So I'm taking a fifty percent success on my preseason prediction of formerly being player of the year. Now, Jack, you had Steve Seddon. Well, shall I do McGuane first? Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Because <laughs> Jack's going to make valid points that kind of link to squad chat and stuff. I think McGuane's about on the same par as Seddon. Yeah. I mean, but I think... So I went for McGuane as player of the season. I think we all went for... In terms of league position, I think we all went playoffs. So that's kind of gone. I think McGuane this season... I'm putting him in the... It's just all been setting him up for next season box because he was obviously injured earlier on in the season. And there's been plenty of moments, Wigan away, where you could see all the bits in his locker that could make him a great player. Like he can roll players away. He can, he's got great technical skill. But then half the times his, he plays the game a bit like, almost like a PlayStation game at times. Like he gets fouled or pushed and he stops playing and he expects something to happen. He does things like that that wind me up a lot. Um, But you can clearly see that if he had a little bit more confidence and people giving the ball in the right area, I think he could rip it up. So I'll step aside on my claim that he is, was player of the season with grace and the fact it would be ridiculous to claim it. Um, 
yeah we will get we will get on to the kind of ratings and looking at the squad and how it's shaping up for next year but McGwain, i i think had a really poor i think it's obviously had a really poor season but i, I always wonder how much it's down to not being in that you know a midfield three and having a traditional cdm behind him yeah, to give him absolutely. that freedom and that's like when he was um the best we've seen from McGwain was when he had a beta left wing weirdly um and he struck up a bit of a partnership on that left hand side with him and uh, that was obviously a really short space in time but i just remember that was when there was some consistent consistency there he was getting game time he was building up a partnership and he was he was looking really good and I don't think since then, and that seems like a long time ago, um, we've seen anything from him that, you know, that's giving us hope. I don't know. I, I think to be fair to McGuane, I think his injury at the back end of last season into the summer was a lot worse than was made out. So I think he was starting from a couple of squares back in a way. Mm. Um, yeah. And obviously we started the season so well, so he wasn't really featuring. Um I don't was just looking, and this will lead into my stat pack on Steve Seddon, but um, based on the BBC's stats, he did McGuane did have our best pass accuracy from the entire squad this season, out from his thirty-four games played. So really, yeah, which is, and I mean, there's some shocking ones in there, Sam Long in particular. Um, but equally, in his thirty-four games, he made almost a thousand less passes than Herbie Kane which in a way shows how we were playing with Kane in the side, that everything was going through yeah. Kane. Um, and I think sometimes McGuane, he, he takes the easy option at times, which I think if he's more confident and has, like you say, the points you made, James, around him, he could be, he can definitely be explosive. And he's he's not Shandon Baptiste yet, but he's got some of that sort of stuff in his locker for sure. Um, and he's got to, sort of jumping ahead, He's got to kind of be in the mix as the starting one of the starting midfielders but next season, that, or, or what's the point? That that's exactly what I was about to say. Like, it's how old is he now? Twenty five. Not quite uh, that, let, but he's knocking on it. Let me just reference the spreadsheet. Uh, Twenty three. Yeah. Okay. You're right. Um, I still think though it's massive. Like he's either in the squad. And he's he's starting games, and this this is where he needs to be getting minutes to develop his game, right? So next season is yeah. going to be absolutely massive if we see an influx of midfield, you know, centre midfielders coming in, or we sign two that have got league experience, maybe a rotter, maybe um, what's his face from Ipswich? Who's the who's the Ipswich rotter that I always forget his name? Morsey. Morsey, yeah. If um, we get that type of player in as well, what does that? You know, I don't know. I'm just I'm just curious. I suppose he would be sitting sitting further back. Anyway, Jack, Steve Seddon was your preseason prediction for player of the season. It started off well, didn't it, at Cambridge? It did start off well, and to be fair to him, I think we've all we all said it. Um, he was rightly brought out of the team. What February time, March time, because defensively. There were some rather major flaws, especially positionally, where we definitely conceded a few goals due to the fact he just wasn't where he should have been. Defending, but, yeah. But a lot of a lot of his play is based on his attacking game. So for the season, he had our best chances per ninety minutes created. He was the second for all chances created at the club. 
joint third for assists. Obviously, got more goals than White, Williams, McGuane, Kane. So everything about that to me screams try him as a wing back, and we did that what maybe twice, and one of those games was the last one of the season. Um, there's clearly there's flaws in his game defensively, but playing as a wing back, you do not need to be as defensive. But for whatever reason, we chose to chose Williams and Sykes in the, in the wing-back positions when we did switch to a that yeah. system. Um, and he had five assists really early on in the season as yeah, well, yeah. didn't he? Like it was like it, after it, a couple of months or something. It's a funny one because since he got dropped, he's played twice. Once as the emergency centre-back at Shrewsbury when we had a COVID outbreak and then once in the final game of the season. In those eight games where we took eight points, he didn't feature in seven of them. So... He's kind of become this scapegoat figure in a way, but he hasn't actually featured in the little bit of a collapse we've seen, arguably in a system that would probably suit him more. So it's a little bit of, it's a bit of an odd one. And it's really interesting if we are going to go to a five next season, does he become the first choice wing back or do we go out and sign someone? And then you have to say, well, you probably let him go. You, You let someone sign him. But I think the attacking stats are probably why someone like Bristol City would be looking at him because they just run, give me all the stats in League One for defenders, please, and see him in that top bracket. Yeah. Do you not think it's interesting, though, that I still think Brown playing left-back, um, Kieran Brown, that is, was the most telling thing. And it was a bit, maybe the long throws, maybe that height from set pieces. You know, there's more that plays into it, isn't there, to try and keep a clean sheet and work it that way but think, Brown also was like our man of the match in like three of the four games in that tough period so yeah I, th- I think it's clear that Seddon is not a left back in our kind of system for the player he is he's about attacking not defending but for me yeah. he he is an answer at wing back but for whatever reason KR decided he wasn't going to demo that and he needs the he needs the proper defensive midfielder in there who is going to be straight into his slot when he goes a bit AWOL or when he's just pushing up or doing all those things that Herbie Kane wasn't able to sustain for the whole season. He did it at times, well, sort of. Um, but that's where you've got a going or another type of a sitting midfielder who will just switch on to that stuff. And I think as you speculated, James, clearly something else has gone on as well because there's just it's just it's just well, weird not well, to try. To, <laughs> I think we saw a bit more into Steve Seddon with the Planet IT um <laughs> video that went on YouTube. If That's you what he's been spending all his time on. Like, yeah, yeah, that presentation. <laughs> yeah. If if you haven't seen it, go onto the Oxford United YouTube channel and just watch the kind of Planet IT Apprentice challenge. But Seddon really stands out as. To be fair, he's really he's confident. He's got character. He's clearly a bit of a joker amongst the pack. Um, I liked that he opened all of his presentation. Like the different segments with listen, and that was how we kind of. D- <laughs> I, listen, I think um, next season you can probably put Seddon, McGuane. There's probably a couple of others who are 23, 24, coming into their second season with us, and they need to show why they're in the squad. Mm. And if they're not playing 30, 35 games by being the first choice on the team sheet, then you have to question why they're still around at all. Yeah, Seddon's in that same camp, isn't he, where the next season is massive, 24 years old. I think he turns 25 um, before the next season starts, so it's like massive season for him. 
I do hope, though, if we are going for a three and that three is solid and you've also got a more defensive-minded midfielder, as we've kind of talked about a lot, then maybe that shape really suits him and he's got that flexibility to, to get forward. But we'll have to see. I think you did well, though, there, Jack. Stat pack, good recovery, good defence. Yeah, I just need to get Seddon on the back of my shirt now and I've completed the, <laughs> the fanboy title. <laughs> Do you know what? You'll be, you'll look great if he has an absolute worldy season next season. Yeah, or we've sold him by the end of August, and I look like a moron. <laughs> you got yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, right. Like, what about kind of best and worst moments for the season? If we had to pick one, like I'll, I'll start with an easy one, and we've referenced it already. But Hillsborough away for me, um, James Henry's what ninety first minute or whatever it was, uh, winner. I, I was just the best. That is just the best moment by a long shot in my head. Um, anyone joining me on that or anyone got something different? I'd, I'd, I'd definitely echo it. Um, but I mean, we had quite a few last minute winners, didn't we? Was it Portsmouth, Chef Wednesday at home that we were all watching and had our kind of moments where you run about in your own office or lounge or wherever you base yourself. You but had a good my... day out, didn't you, as well, at one point with many goals scored. Yeah, there's been, uh, I mean, that that's why I'm not too downhearted about missing out on the playoffs because it's not like we haven't had some really good moments in the season. There's been plenty to to but celebrate. You, can you still even, can you even think back to what was going on in your brain and you were like, I've just seen seven goals go in and I decided to go to Gillingham, which is a bit of a dump. Oh, yeah, like, I mean, I don't think I've, process the fact that Brannigan has scored four penalties until it till it was all over kind of Sky Sports the next day. That but that, you know that's just one of those games that you write down and forever go, oh, I was at Priestfield when we scored seven. That, that yeah. there was no logic about it whatsoever. We weren't even that good really. We and this is the thing, we played a lot better in other games that we've lost, but that day everything just just went right. Another another one for me, and I I don't think it quite hits the the best but it was um, Ipswich away, and I slightly biased because I went. But part of it, it was part of it was the it was another strong performance against a you know so called bigger club that we and we'd already had the Sheffield Wednesday result, and generally we performed much better against those teams this season, which has been massive. But then you had the the boring, boring Oxford. What was um, the guy? What did the guy say in the video after? I hope you're that... decimated and you never <laughs> play in the league again and something else. And 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 there were people who abused me on the train on the way home oh. for like how this, you know, how we didn't turn up and go guns blazing with a point secured because you're to... cheats. I hate them because they're cheats. Yeah, liquidate that was, them. That was funny. Um, he, he says it about every team that didn't someone that was it, in liquidate, the video. It was like yeah, liquidate they played oh. they lost to Cambridge 1-0 or something didn't they recently or something and it was the yeah. same it was the same script liquidate them there'll be no one left pal you won't know anyone to play if you get your way what a crap anyway Jack what was your actual moment was it Gillingham did we just ruin it for you was it something else I think no. I think actually, it ha- it's the Sheffield Wednesday game at home. Although we weren't there, oh, scoring yeah. late again to win. The fact that Sheffield Wednesday had been probably far the better team that day, and we kind of just kept with them and scored at the right times. I think the fact I know Sam Winnell had an awful season by all accounts, not being available, not really contributed much. But the fact it was him against his old club 
from a corner to do them again in the last five minutes. I think that was just brilliant. Yeah, for sure. You've got to look at um, that 2-1 away win at MK. was great, wasn't it? After being similar to the home game, absolutely bossed for the first half. And then Sykes got that goal. Great scenes behind that behind that end as well with a massive travelling support. And we hadn't... Have we ever had a win there before that? Don't think we had. Lots of nil-nils and draws, but I don't think we'd ever won. Um, what else did we have? Yeah, so the Sheffield Wednesday, 3-2. The Portsmouth, 3-2. Charlton away, 4 nils Got to be there. Is a significant moment. I think um, it shows how many we've had when we still haven't mentioned we, we won at Fleetwood for the first time ever. Won at Fleetwood for the first time. Beat the, the Joey game, the Cambridge at home game. Even that was a brilliant comeback. You know, we went behind twice. And then showed real character and scored some great goals. And that was just a great, you know, the way the club handled that. That was everything that went on that day. That was a brilliant day for the club as well. Um, Yeah. There's, a, there's only one contender for worst moments of the season. Yeah, worst moments. Surely. We've done this the wrong way around though, haven't we, to get there? <laughs> I mean, if Accrington away, admittedly this is personal to you and you and I, James, doesn't win... <laughs> then I don't know what doesn't but you say that I think like we mentioned it earlier though um, Bolton was frustrated if we just run through the losses like super fast Bolton really frustrating because um, should Gavin White should have scored and we were also 1-0 up from that Taylor lob Wickham away was actually awful as well that was yeah that dreadful. was and we absolutely deserved to lose that yeah. completely Wimbledon away, we mentioned earlier. That was a shambles again after taking the lead. Didn't Sykes score a really nice goal early on or something in that? Um, I think it's just before half time, but yeah, we were we were leading at half time and lost. We lost to Cheltenham away, which was a shite game. Um <laughs> this is lovely, isn't it? Go do this. Plymouth absolutely battered us and deserved to win. I don't we don't need to talk about that too much. Wigan at home, that was a painful one, but absolutely not a deserved loss. That 3-2 defeat where McLean scored late on. Um, Lincoln away, I have to say, put that near Accrington, to be honest. It was just the weather that yeah. was different for that for me. It was just absolutely nothing to it in that game. We had no answer to them. Um, and that went hand in hand with the Wickham game. That was the two sequential games, 2-0 defeat, t- defeats to Lincoln, then Wickham. Um, I remember the then, Bolton one at home where whilst it was a 3-2 the other way, that was a game full of conceding basic goals when we worked our balls off to score nice goals and how many times did we talk about that? Yeah, yeah, that Bolton one was another one that was painful, that was another 90 plus minute um, loss wasn't it? And then the Pompey, Pompey away 3-2 wasn't as painful right because we got one back late to make it 3-2 but we'd again another one though where we'd scored early on back to the you know winning the league for if the game's ended on 30 minutes thing Marcus Brown with that goal and then just kind of fell away Morecambe again fell away after taking the lead away um that Sunderland at home <laughs> was particularly painful the 2-1 again another I'd like to see we, there must be some interesting stats on us conceding late goals as well. I'm just going through the kind of view that um, the Footy Stats site gives you, where you can see kind of the minutes by scrolling through. Um, 
yes, we score a lot of late goals ourselves, but yeah, we, we've conceded some significant ones and dropped points as a result. But yeah, you know, I, I think on the balance, we've got to be happy with those moments we've had this season. And again, you know, as, as KR said many times, if, if you were offered, what, 76 points at the beginning of the season, guaranteed, and you looked back at the last 10 years of league finishes and what you needed to get in the playoffs, you'd be you'd be snapping, snapping people's hands off, wouldn't you? I mean, in a very sort of quick summation, I, I'm still disappointed that we didn't get into playoffs. I recognise all the points around the benchmark in this league is much higher than it has been before, and that's crazy. Uh, I recognise plenty of the things, the entertaining side of things. For me, it's frustrating that there's a lot of fine margins in this. It means we could have got over the line in this, and it would have been an even more it would have been a stellar achievement to get into the playoffs. And it would have just been just the playoffs. That's how mental it is. But for me, there's things we could have done to get us there, and it still irks me a little bit. But I'm not, like you say, the entertainment part of it has certainly done a lot to to ease that. I, I think for me that you know when we beat Shrewsbury away two one. And Brannigan got that late penalty. And then we played Ipswich at home and we drew one all and we scored, was it the McNally header in the 94th minute? At that exact point, I, I was absolutely convinced that we would finish in the playoffs. I was like 100% certain at that point because we'd scraped four points um, from those two games. And I was thinking, do you know what? We've got, yes, we've got a tough run, but we proved we can grind this out when we need to um and that's why yeah it was just such a shock to fall away from there yeah i, I remember having conversations because after the back of the Accrington bolton back-to-back defeats we went and smashed charlton away ground out a one at crew and then came back against cambridge to win 4-2 i remember the pod after those games we said don't this team know how to win games in different ways and previous squads haven't been able to do that I don't yeah. think any any of us saw the three straight defeats in the Plymouth Morecambe and Sunderland games come in. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I I probably agree with John actually. I, I, although I'm not down and out about it, it is incredibly frustrating that we have not made the playoffs based on the position we had ourselves in with what eight games to go. Yeah, I'm, I think it's just I've got over it already. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I, I think I think gonna... I have. Yeah. I got a third of a bottle of wine in me as well, so I'm <laughs> Fury, are you an angry drunk, John? Yeah. So what's gonna happen? Um Right, so looking at the squad then, um we've done a kind of I think we can share this straight after the pod, can't we, and see what people think people think about it on on Twitter. But um so who do we know is leaving? So we know um Hansen's off, um Winnell's definitely off. Sykes, it sounds like, is definitely gone. Um, touch on that in a minute. Actually, let's touch on that now. Sykes, p- post-Christmas, Jack. Attitude a bit crap. Performances, d- head elsewhere. Well, or it, do you just think it just didn't work? I think it would be really interesting one day to find out how many serious offers he had in January and therefore has his head been elsewhere since then because... It fit, from his on-pitch performances versus the first half of the season, it feels like it. And that's a very simplistic view of the world to take, that, oh, he's had his head turned and he's not that arsed and blah de blah de blah But something yeah. changed post-January. And 
in all honesty, he's had three years with the club, three and a half seasons, and he's had a good six months probably. So he may well become a Joe Rothwell, who at the time I wasn't that bothered about losing, but he's proved himself in the league above and looks like he'll get a move. Sykes could well go on and do that as well, but I'm not going to be too down about it if if and when he does sign elsewhere. Yeah, eight goals and seven assists as well, John. And I think all those eight goals were before Christmas, weren't they, in the league? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, on the pod we've... We've definitely talked about Sykes in the brilliant side of his game. But equally, I can think back to countless occasions where I've lost my proverbial with him over yeah. various different things. And then it repeats itself over multiple other performances. And I think back in January, I remember thinking, I wouldn't, I think I said it on this, I wouldn't be that bothered if he left. And I'm not bothered if we lose him now. People can quibble about, should we have made money out of him? That's possibly a different point. Yeah, but if he goes, I, it's a squad place that I think we can get a different type of midfielder in, and I'm more up for that than keeping Mark Sykes. In very interesting, Huddersfield and where else? It was Wigan, wasn't it? That were the clubs that were discussed in January. So yeah, interesting to see where he'll go. Um, don't really need to talk much about Hansen, as as we said, he's going Winnell again. Um, I don't think we're going to take the option up. On his deal, the good the good thing about those two going is they'll both be on reasonable wages, so it will be a chance to reinvest that into players that you would hope play exactly, a hell of a yeah. lot more regularly. Yeah, exactly that. I think it was much publicised that the actual fee for Hansen was significant as well when we signed him from Derby. Um, Herbie Kane is another talking point, isn't it? I don't, I don't know. What given Barnsley are relegated and he's contracted to them, I'll be really surprised if he's wearing a yellow shirt next season. Thoughts? I um, I don't, I don't think we should go for him. I can see us still going for him in a KR way, um, but I think a lot of it revolves around. Well, let's assume Brannigan's gone, and we do need that sort of more technical playmaker type hmm. but I'm not sure that he is the he is the one I think he's technically he can be a brilliant player but I don't think he's got the all-round game the legs the stamina the sort of the wider side of it for me I think there's other things out there and if we switch to this system as well then you can probably have different types of midfielders in midfield that don't need to be as creatively brilliant as he is um, so I think I would probably go and he's, this injury sounds bad as well, which is another potential That's, risk. It sounds like that injury that he's picked up might be um, keeping him out before the next season starts as well. So that you we'll, know, defi- we'll definitely sign him. Then we love signing an injury prone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he is like. I mean, there's, you know, he's a really good footballer, and he he's can play through the lines, and he can unlock defenses with a single pass and all that sort of stuff that we, you want to see. I'm just not sure. He's the right fit. Yeah. I I keep fluctuating on my opinion on this. So I'd sign him every day of the week if he was out of contract at Barnsley. However, he's not. You imagine they'll want at least what five hundred thousand, given they spent one point something million on him two or three years ago. I think 
a Herbie Kane that plays further forward with an Alex Gorin doing the dirty work behind him is a better fit for our team. However, KR's talked about playing a five at the back, so then I don't think you can have a Kane and a McGuane in the same or side. A boat, or a Bowden. Or a Bowden or a yeah. Henry. So you've got a lot of similar players who could play a little bit further forward. Yeah, and Henry's the chaos talked about taking up the option on Henry already. So, so if if your financials are that you give Bowden another year, you trigger Henry's option. McGuane's still around, so you've got three players already who can play in that kind of creative role if needed. He wants to re-sign Gorin, so he plays the DM role. So then I don't see if you're spending five hundred thousand on Kane where he's actually fitting into the side. And the big thing about all transfer windows and rebuilds is if you didn't quite make it the season before, you can't then go, oh, well, the players we've got a squad, yeah, he's good, he's good, he's good, and basically re-sign the same squad. You need to bring in different players with different attitudes, ability, more physical. I always think, for example, we need some just taller players in midfield at times, like some of that sort of simplistic stuff. Um, Yeah, a rotter. (laughs) We need a rotter as well. Um, So... We're at danger of here re-signing the entire squad and saying everything's fine, which isn't the case. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think uh, as well, if we've got if we have a fee that would sign Herbie Kane, then it would sign a lot of other players that are good for this level as well. And I'd probably you know, if we've got say we've got five hundred thousand that we'd be happy to offer for Kane, why not put that on a striker to compliment Matty Taylor? Do you, do you know the thing I keep forgetting with Herbie Kane is that he he's twenty three. He's twenty. He's he's younger. Well, he's the same age as McGuane. But what you expect from Herbie Kane is next level because of what he did before January. And also, when we were talking about should we sign him, if someone had said you can sign Herbie Kane for half a million in January, we'd have ever, you know all of us have been like, board need to do it. Board yeah. have to do it. Board's just got to step up. We need to make the model go to the next level of the model. Blah 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 blah. Um, it's just it was surprising that that sending off he had a Lincoln seemed to be that turning point for his performances and he was still playing in so in the deeper role every now and again and still putting in great performances um I'm just yeah I think he's I, I think it's done though I think if Barnsley are back down the only the only thing that's in my head is I thought it was weird we, you know we obviously managed to extend I said this on the last pod I think we managed to extend him through um at January and I, I think there might be a deal. You know, you, we could have had some kind of deal wrapped up um, based on appearances or whatever that we could have an option for him to buy. But it'd be interesting to see what happens. But Kyle well, didn't reference him once in. No, which is strange. Yeah. And Barnsley have another new manager or will have another new manager by the time next season comes around. So I think that'll be the third manager since he was signed at Barnsley. So you'd imagine. At a minimum, if there is no deal in place, they'll want to look at him in pre-season. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. It'd be I'd, I'd be interested to see what um, people respond with on Twitter for Herbie Kane as to what they want. Maybe a poll. We'll see. I think that would be quite a fifty-fifty split with that. Use the money yeah. elsewhere, or spend. I think you pitch it as a should you spend half a million on Herbie Kane, or should you spend it elsewhere type question it'll be interesting and this could be like famous last words ha 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 this so this window probably isn't going to be about wingers as much as it probably has been in the past because in theory we, most of the front line 
is kind of sorted bar a winger to be that different option because you've got Brown, you've got Bowden, you've got Taylor, you've got Henry. Yes, I don't think we'll go. I think Holland's a thing of the past now. Gavin White, I'd take him if we could get him. But that's. I don't think we're going to be getting loads and loads of wingers in because you can't play this system and have loads of wingers on your book. I think, I still think, you mentioned Holland there. I, I don't think he's, I was actually surprised I said it earlier with his stats because he still had um, six goals, as I said, five assists. But I just don't think he's he cuts it for what we need. And I think I'm I'm with you. I would sign Gavin White and I wouldn't re-sign Holland. Jack, where are you at with that? I wouldn't sign either of them. I think there are better options out there. Um possibly from the league below. So if you play the scribble down early, you've got Jack Diamond at Harrogate, who got 13 goals this season. Davis Keeler Dunn, who's a winger for Oldham, got 14 goals this season. I, th- I think there are better options out there than hoping one or both of Holland and White suddenly become really consistent. Yeah, fair. I, I still think he... To be fair, though, it felt like Gavin White was on 10 assists for about six months as well. But <laughs> He was on 10 massive chances missed for a while as well. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I'd be happy to, having just spouted off about how you need new players and different players, I guess I would probably sacrifice White to that point. But equally, if White turn, if White comes back and is the 10 goals and 10 assists in League One, then we're laughing on the side of our face. I still think but, he can do I still yeah, think and I, and I he do. can do that. I, I think the signing of Marcus Brown in January negates the issue to sign Holland or White permanently. Definitely yeah. not two. I think you only need one winger, and that's White or another. I don't think you need any more wingers, unless you get like a young low winger who's on loan and it's a bit of a random gamble. But in terms of permanent signings, I think you need one winger. If, I, we, I, yeah. if we're generally moving to a system that's the first option, and then at times we can go to a four-three-three and make it work with Bowden, Brown, and Taylor up as the front three. When you start, to, I suppose, yeah, if you're playing that five-three-two as well. You're playing two strikers with a cam, aren't you? Like a yeah, holding. Exa- yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you, I think I don't think the four three three or four two three one will will die next season. But you can yeah. fit around. I just, I still, I still think White at twenty six, um, having been around Oxford in two spells and, and working with Carl Robin, I, I just think you need some consistency in the squad as well. In terms of people that know what's expected, get the dynamic, know the club, and I just think he's yeah. Being, that's another one. I mean, we should do a series of polls. I think that might. I still think that might divide people. I don't know what side. I, I'm on the signing, but maybe I'm thinking it might edge the other way. Um, Joel Cooper, do we think he'll wear a yellow shirt again? He can't even. He's not even getting in the Port Vale squad, so. There's no way he comes back and no. plays a part for us. I think he'll go back to Ireland. But still under contract, so it's just whether it's a loan or a release and we just pay off the, his deal. So have to see with that one. Um, John Messino, I noticed, so he's got another contract into next year. But like, why? why? I remember that, thinking that was weird. That does, yeah, it doesn't make an awful You've lot got, of sense. 
I do you, do you think it's just a way to keep paying him money and he'll just do a coaching job? Well, I think he has to be a registered player to maintain being chairman of the PFA. Oh, really? Okay. But I don't think that means he has to be in our squad cap, so he could just be stuck around for the pizza trophy. Interesting. I, th- I think. I think. Regardless, he stays as a coaching staff. Yeah, he's an excellent guy to have around the club. He's really intelligent, and he's clearly developing. You know, he's still doing a load of coaching stuff in the background. Yeah. But he shouldn't be one of the four centre backs. No, that no we've got. way. We should. There's no way we should get him put in a position like Shrewsbury, where he has to come in out of the blue. No, absolutely not. Because we've not recruited. And that's the thing as well. If you if you are starting to play three, if we are going to start to play three at the back, you need four absolute, you know, excellent centre backs at this level, and they will get enough minutes. Plus, you've got long just in case, and they will get there will be injuries. So I feel like that is you kind of got to have four stand on centre backs, and then someone else that can play there if needed I think jumping around a bit I mean I'm, I know I'm Ford's biggest fan but I can't quite work out unless I mean I just don't think he can be converted to a flying wing back and I don't see how he would get into the midfield either you just kind of wonder whether we've naffed a squad space on that slightly but he's your drooling buddy I know he's I'd like him in I like him in midfield but it's more about getting him in there I'd and his delivery is worth probably a few assists a season, but he's... I think everyone's the same on that front. I think it's like what's the I think versatile squad player can yeah. do a job, but he's twenty eight. I'm I'm quite surprised that um you know th- this could have been like a two or three year deal at another club. I'm surprised he couldn't have got territory. two for in the money, but still in yeah. the twenty three games since the turn of the year. He's played 105 minutes for us and has been an unused sub on 14, 15 occasions. Yeah, interesting. It's very... And he was the first deal we announced with more than a month of the season to go. So I don't know what... There was an indication he's had some personal issues, so maybe it's a little bit of a Robbie Hall kind of let's look after him type thing, which I'm, I'm all for. But if he then doesn't play much next season, you have to question... As John said, have you just lost a squad place? Yeah. Um, Jack Stevens, I put down at, when we I did kind of a ratings thing, and I actually feel that Eastwood's probably had a better season than Stevens overall. Um, but obviously, Jack has played a lot more minutes than than Simon. I don't know why I'm jumping around surname and first name. Jack and Simon. Um, what where Jack? What what do you reckon? With that situation, do you think Stevens or Eastwood next year? I think Stevens is going to be number one, isn't he? But he he hasn't had a great season. I don't know where I stand with this because they've both got their flaws. We're fully aware of what their flaws are. Stevens is more the goalkeeper that KR wants in a system because his distribution ball at feet is better. His kicking longer is occasionally suspect but they both they both are very good reaction shot stoppers both of them struggle with shots from distance as we've seen uh on a whole multitude of times over a number of seasons but there's a lot of people clamoring for let's go and sign a really experienced number one well there's no way we get a third goalkeeper in 
So that's just not going to happen. So I think, yeah. I, I don't know. We gave Eastwood that three-year contract, so he's not going anywhere. So then... I think if we just defend better, i.e. have hmm. defensive midfielders <laughs> in the team to snuff out when we decide to do stupid headers back across the box yeah. and be a little bit more aware, you probably cut down the number of shots going at Stevens and Eastwood yeah. and you slightly change the things. But as you say, there's countless moments we've gone, hmm, Stevens, that should probably should have saved that. Um, but it's not the issue we probably need to uproot. Yeah, agree. Or should or should think about doing so. Um, so we talked to Gorin and James Henry. Look like they're getting new deals going. I think that's what KR was saying, wasn't it? I'm not. Yeah, K- KR basically said that Baldock, Gorin, Bowden, he wants around, and we're going to trigger the options on Henry and Moore. Yeah, absolutely. I'm. I'm happy. Gorin. I'm. He's obviously been crocked for so long, but I think there was again more of like a gentleman's agreement. He's he's been a good servant for the club, is a good lad to have around. And I know, you know, we know we can do a job there, but it is yeah. I, I like Gorin, loads of time for him, but one of the midfielders, central mid more central midfielders I'd want to see come in has got to be a direct Defense, yeah, com- it, direct competition a- for him. Absolutely. And the other that- midfielder is probably a more of a creative type. Um, that's that's absolutely bang on. As in, like, if he is staying, he he wasn't getting in the team, and he was getting replaced by people in a holding midfield role that aren't naturally. Yeah, and there's a case so. to be made against Gorin that I imagine a lot of teams look at him and go, "Let Gorin have the ball because at times he can't move it quick enough to, and he doesn't pass through the lines brilliantly." But you saw, and I probably bang on about this too much. Sheffield Wednesday away, Kane and Gorin was for fantastic as a two because Gorin just was able just to give the ball to the better player and do what he does best. So if we could replicate that with whoever, then it's happy days. My Yeah, I, I like Alex Gorin. I'd have him in that role because we know what he can offer. My concern is the kind of injuries coming back from. Yeah. You know, ACL, knee ligament injuries are always a difficult one. He's 28, 29. You know, it's not like he's had it early in his career. So... He may take a while to get going. Granted, he's got the whole of the summer and a proper pre-season, but I think you have to have another option and brought in in case he's not ready for August. I have missed singing his song um, on the terraces. Sales of Estrella have plummeted. Um. (laughs) Um, Did we kind of we kind of spoke a bit about Nathan Holland? Would any of you have him back? If we were signing one of White or Holland, I'd have White. Okay. So, no. <laughs> I would not sign Holland whatsoever. Ryan Williams is contracted with us until 2023. It looked like he might be heading off in January, but I think he's had a, obviously, he's had a pretty solid last um, kind of, I guess, few months of the season. So, I'm quite happy to have him around, especially he, we know he can play in that kind of wing back role if we are going to drop to kind of, three at the back as well so good player I think his intensity was refreshing at times Williams um, yes there was some games where it, well, he wasn't it wasn't ideal but him and Bowden should get an absolute shout out for surprises yeah. most heartwarming sort of players of the season almost if that's a created award I've just created I think it, I think it is I think they've already got that the heartwarming yeah. and what was it 
Sorry, I don't remember what you said. No, I don't either. No. <laughs> I mean, the wine bottle has continued to decrease. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Williams staying on. White will see Elliot Moore. We've got that option, but you, you're hoping we're also extending a deal for him. Kieran Brown, in my head, absolute no-brainer. He's 24. Um, I thought he was excellent, but I don't know what you guys think. I'd side him. He's got a bit of height about him as well, which is something we're not um, not full of at the back. I, I can't don't know what his contract status is at Cardiff, Cardiff. whether he's out of contract or not. I'll... I think he's got another year, but I might have been looking at Gavin White, who had another year. I think Gavin White definitely has another year, and maybe Brown had one as well. I, w- I wouldn't lose sleep if we didn't re-sign him. Um, not because I think he's been bad, but I think there's... Maybe He's got a thing. nice hair bun, though. Uh, uh, he fine. is one of the bun boys. I, I take it back. Um, <laughs> but cancel. If you think, of, I mean, if we sell Brannigan for a reasonable fee, all right, the board might go. That's our bit into the accounts for the next season or whatever. But equally, we're going to spend some of that money, you'd think. And I'd wonder whether there's a bit of an investment in a a serious upgrade of the centre back. As well, not knocking Brown at all. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be disappointed because he's left-sided and he can play left back, and I think that's really beneficial. Yeah, but I, I, yeah, I'm not, not saying I wouldn't. I'm just, I wouldn't lose sleep if we didn't. Cool. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm full on, fully on the Kieran Brown signing, but we'll, we'll have to see. Um, Bulldog did enough in a very short space of time to prove his worth. I think that was a massive surprise, really. Um, how that how he settled in into a partnership with Matty Taylor. I don't think any of us saw that coming. Um, McNally. The players we rated the highest were McNally, Brannigan and Taylor for the season um, with Bulldog and Bowden, Brown and Elliot Moore behind them. But um, McNally, will he be in a yellow shirt next season? Is Conte still on the prowl? Not doing it again. <laughs> I think I think if he does go, there'll be a loan back involved. I don't think he goes and plays numerous games in a league above yet. Yeah, which feels a big statement, but I don't think he will. So I felt that way with Rob Atkinson, though. I really did, but I have to see. Um, John, do you think Brannigan will be here next year? Yes or no? No. Jack, sadly not. I also think I have to say he's handled himself so well throughout all of that speculation, through everything in January. He's an absolute credit, isn't he, to himself and and the club? Like he's been, he's one of those when yeah. if we're playing the team he goes to, like with Rob Dickey, yeah. we'll be cheering him more than the home fans will <laughs> be cheering yeah. him. He's one of those. I don't think he'll ever get. Well, I don't know. I, I, it's a. Sh- I'm really sad for him that we couldn't get to the championship and offer him a, an excellent contract on improved terms because of the extra revenue we're making, etc., etc., etc. Because I think he would have loved that and he he deserved it. And yeah, it's a real shame. I can't believe he's got 14 goals. I know, yes, the penalties, but um, John, I always remember you saying like he needs to add goals to his game. Um, well, the, the weird thing, and I think, apologies if it might have been Jackie Roy said this, that 
it was actually the Fleetwood goal that he's in the away game that he scored was kind of like edge of the box, put it in the bottom corner. I thought, yeah, he's already probably already gone before that goal. But actually, it was that goal where I thought, if anyone was doubting about signing him, his ability to start scoring those as well means it's a done deal. Because banging them in from 25 yards is obviously impressive, but it's actually more the kind of scoring from 12 yards on a consistent basis that actually happens more often. Yeah. And he's kind of his all round game is is there really. And uh, he's one of those players of countless away games. You can see him getting annoyed, angry, firing the other players up. And yeah, I think he genuinely wanted to do it with Oxford and recognises the not big fish, small pond, but the fact that it's better to play games and and be that than actually go and take your chances just because it's a championship club or whatever. Yeah, I think there's he'll a, get a good deal somewhere. There's a really good interview with Brannigan in the new magazine issue, The Ox, where he mentions his love for fishing in Oxfordshire, so that might still be a reason why he stays. But um, he basically says, you know, what what if I'm being linked with clubs, I can't help that. I just want to play football and show everyone that I love playing football. And I think you're right. We've had a lot of players over the years who don't handle their exits from the club very well. And he's just been... You know, the, he is someone to completely praise for his his entire time at the club and his professionalism. Um, so if he goes, good luck. Absolutely. So the way all of that, I, I think we'll share the kind of spreadsheet thing that we've got. Um, it does leave us with, yeah, seven, I think one of you have actually put it, but about seven spaces for signings. Um it does look quite uh, when you take all the loan players out, and if you also took, yeah, the people leave, people leaving because their contracts over, plus the loanies that we've currently got, and if let's say we didn't sign any of them, and yes, we hope Baldock and Bowden are staying, but it's really, it's just, it's really destroyed down, lots of spaces to fill, so it should be quite an exciting summer. Um, here's hoping. Uh, key dates then: fixture release day. 23rd of June. That'll come round pretty quickly, won't it? We're going to all start planning our midweek trips to Morecambe or wherever else we might get lumped with on a Tuesday. Very exciting. Um, and the first game of the season's earlier because of the World Cup. Is that right? Has the whole season been pulled forward? Is that right? That's going to be so... With the Christmas Cup, is going to be bizarre. Can't... It still feels strange that yeah concept. our league keeps going as well throughout the world cup so we'll have this strange thing where you have like england usa on the friday night and then oxford versus port vale on the saturday whereas yeah. the championship is having a pause wow see a lot more fans casual fans i'd imagine as well though yeah maybe anyway right hour and a half in I'm sure like when the fixtures are out and there's more information about the squad stuff, we'll get straight back on squad chat and it'll just carry on going for the whole of the summer when we do our next pod. But um, yeah, hopefully that was interesting for people. You probably feel sad, frustrated. There was hopefully some joy in that as well. Um, it's worth noting, obviously, the way you know we talked about Joey. It was a massive moment for kind of the whole Oxford fan base. I have to say again, the way the club handled everything and it's the same with mickey last year as well was just um excellent and that goes out for the kind of bbc coverage as well and joey's family were at the game on saturday again and i'm sure um, the club and the fan base will continue to support 
um joey's family and his two girls but joey i'm sure you know it's fair to say he'll be immortalized obviously not just through the club but definitely through the club um so yeah excited the next season as well lots there's going to be lots more stadium stuff coming out i expect the next time we pod there's potentially going to be some news of some description i think there was some chatter in the forum that looked as if maybe some takeover news was imminent but um we'll have to see and there we go third uh tip man of season done guys i think we're shrinking we're kind of like cutting it in half every season we started mega keen we did like a pod a week so we had like 40 odd and then last season we had like 20 odd and now we're on what's this 14 um you know maybe this is where we are now we're pandemic free and uh ready to well we're not pandemic free but ready to roll the, it seems to be the less pods we do, the worse the team does. Just saying. Or maybe they're linked. Yeah, true that. I noticed as well when we when we lose, we get like half as many listens as well. <laughs> We're on a good run. People want to hear what we've got to say. But, you know, um, we're nearly up to a thousand followers on Twitter. So I hate to say it, but please like and share and tell your grandma who doesn't know how to, what Twitter is or what a tweet is etc etc there was a guy when we were in rotherham a bloke um called dave who i used to work with at st peter's college in oxford he always comes up to me he probably saw me chatting with him john um and we saw i saw the same guy at accrington away um so i was chatting with him i was like i do a podcast he was like what the fuck is a podcast and i was like well look we just it's like a radio show you just he was like oh that sounds all right i was like yeah dave listen he was like, how do I listen to that? I was like, internet. He went, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Not the internet. I was like, come on, Dave. Anyway, if you know any Daves, help them listen to the podcast and set up a Twitter account, then like and follow and all that stuff. Um, there you go. Let's see. That's going to tip us over a thousand, I think, that pitch. Um, we, <laughs> we need to get uh, Shanks, one of the Yorkshire Yellows, um, has an alternate name for every single club in League One. Some are appropriate and some are not. Um, but I think at some point we need to... I'm not sure if we either just add a, have a recording of him doing it in the BBC score scoreboard style, video printer style, or whether we just read them out or you'll, just reference them. You'll never hear a team name again and not <laughs> hear the sort of explicit slash how do I slag this team off alternate name that I think we've all been ground down in a good way to finding funny. What was? So, the, but some of them are quite innocent, like... The Motley, the Motleys, and that's Crew Alexandra, like the Motley Crew. I, I st- still takes me a few seconds when it's the Midweekers, which is Sheffield Wednesday, to it's interpret. And then yeah. some of them are just explicit about Wickham. Some of them are just put a swear word that fits in the name. I'm not. I'm less excited well, about them. Put it out on on the socials and see what people think, and then it could become the new massive the norm. thing. Yeah, yeah maybe. Um, yeah, we're we're gonna we'll whack some photos of our memories from the season on Twitter. Please send us yours as well. Um, be good to see that. I think we were saying one of our favourites was from that Accrington away game where JB John Beale is just stood there next to the scoreboard in the pissing rain, um, in his yellow bobble hat, getting absolutely drenched. And it's just like it's it's one of those where you're just like it's funny that we still do this. I mean, he nearly drove us home in his pants. He literally, he, he, he put, <laughs> John's probably delighted by this. Yeah. He had to he had to take his jeans down to his, his ankles 
He was literally driving us home, pretty much nude. It was great. Anyway, it was that wet. Anyone that was there understands. Um, I put a, I put a rogue one on the end. Kit make for next season. It's been Puma for like five years now. Do you not think it's time for a change? No? High Tech. Deodora. Gola. Keep the vibe of the away shirt, I think is the key message. No, I mean like the I mean the brand, like Puma. I don't care about the brand. I don't what do you mean? We you buy like six hundred training shirts every season. You must care about the brand. I care about coconut milk, that's why I buy the training kit. I'm wearing now, <laughs> look, this I'm wearing the Nike what year do you reckon this hoodie's from? I don't even know. That's promotion year, um, isn't it? Twenty ten. I think so. I think this is a twenty ten Nike hoodie. I'll tell you what, it's it's still in good nick. I reckon Adidas would be good. Yeah, solid. Yeah, solid. solid I mean, solid. I reckon the kit, the home kit next year, will be yellow. That's a good show. Not that kind of piss orange color that Dave Kitson <laughs> wangled about in with Anna Milati's on. I think that's what it was termed as: piss orange. Nice. Let's finish, finish the uh, the podcast series on that note. Uh, genuinely thanks everyone for listening and supporting the pods and coming in talking to us at pubs and stuff um, we'll try and get the Tip Manor mouse mats um, available for everyone to buy to support us in the future and that is a joke but we'll see you later thanks John thanks Jack thanks Connor thanks Ben and thanks Tony and thanks for any guests that we had this year we had James Roberts do we have any other guests is Kinnebra this season I think I don't so know. This has been a long season. Anyway, if you're on the pod, thanks. It's been great. See you later. Bye.